Morning, Miss Evelyn. Good morning, Joby. How are you on a Friday, my favorite day of the week? Good. And you? Tell me why it's my favorite day of the week. I have no idea, because it's the day before the weekend, I guess, when we used to work so hard and then play. We did, and I was always a salesperson, and I never made any presentations on Friday, because whenever you're cold calling or selling people, you don't sell them on Monday or Friday. Monday, they're returning to their office to nothing but problems, and they're not interested in talking about solutions to their problems. And on Friday, their mind is on the weekend, especially in San Diego, and they quit work on Friday. Yeah, about noon. <laughs> about noon. And sometimes I don't think they even worked on Friday. No. Exactly. So what's the latest on your medical? Well, so far, we're just doing different tests and um, checking them off the list. So I've done... I've done two tests, but only checked one off. I have to find out what the next one comes back. And then uh, I will do a wonderful test, colonoscopy and an endoscopy or whatever you call it. Uh, we're checking everything in my tummy. Hmm. So far, I think one was negative. <clears throat> and uh, now we'll have to wait until... Uh, they call me with an appointment. I have to check and see if there's any sort of live bacteria going on in my stomach, I guess, before I can do a couple of these tests. I didn't know that, but I do. But the only wonderful thing about this is I don't um, worry about the colonoscopy like uh, you used to, or like I did, because the first one I ever had, uh, they didn't give me any kind of sedation or nothing. It was just, you know, white knuckle it through it. <laughs> and it was horrible, horrible. I mean, it brought tears to your eyes. So uh, the second... Yeah, but that was back when they used kerosene lamps too. <laughs> yes, that's probably true. <laughs> and uh, now the last one I had was you just walk in and um, get a little IV, take a good nap because I love medical sleepy juice oh i just could sleep all day <laughs> and then sleep at night i love that and so um wake up and say thank you and go home so that's what will happen this time so i'm gonna find out and see what it says i'm uh, anxious to get back on the road as a retired rotor so we can do our broadcast and let the people travel with us so you got to get 100%, girl. I know. I know. I want to do that because I'm getting excited, too. I've got to, got to start getting things finished up here and uh, get ready to do some planning really quick on uh, where we're going to be and how long and where and get some reservations made and that kind of thing. I uh, had my blood work yesterday. And uh, whenever I found out they were not going to do a PSA, which is a check on how my cancer is doing with the prostate, whether it's returned or not, and they said uh, I can only do that once a year, and I had it in October. I said, well, if we're not going to do that, let's just wait till October and 
do the PSA and all the other tests. So my uh, record is not selling very well at my doctor's office. No, well, you know, uh, it's thankful they didn't say okay, because you would have probably had to pay an astronomical amount of money to get something that's not, you know, scheduled Mm -hmm. that would be paid for. So they were probably looking out for you. Speaking of schedule, Tony DeCopo is a Mm -hmm. CBS reporter or CBS morning show host. Mm -hmm. And he's married to Katie Kerr of CNN. And uh, we found out this morning, and I guess they've known it for some time, that she's pregnant. And it came time for the vaccination for the coronavirus. And she got it. Uh, what do you think? Um, I don't really know. Um, I think what she did was uh, the best thing she could do. And as far as her position is concerned, she had a lot of uh, information available to her because she knows a lot of doctors because she's uh, a TV anchor. Uh, And so... They said that she had just gone and talked to all the doctors and to see what they would say, and a majority told her that it was best to go on and and do it without, you know, hoping that that would prevent her from getting it. So, you know, things like that, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I hope everything will be fine with her. We've got to get everyone vaccinated. Uh, the more that's vaccinated, the quicker we rebound and come back with it. And uh, I think your observation was you wouldn't worry so much about her, but you would the baby. Yeah, you don't, you don't know because, I mean, you know, everything going on in uh, a woman's system, you know, eventually goes into where the baby is feeding off of the mother. So, um, yeah, that would worry me a little bit. But I know when I talked to John here the day, he said something about the agricultural People in California are uh, now getting their shots, I think. And I've been meaning to ask Kelly. I talked to him yesterday and forgot it uh, to see if Illinois is doing that yet. Because um, Kelly has been around a lot of his clients um, throughout uh, Illinois and Missouri and Kentucky and every place. Um and their families have had and have lost members uh, to the virus. And so uh, even though he's at home a lot and out in the field, uh, soil sampling all on his own in a little quad, uh, he still comes in close contact. And uh, I'm sure, you know, I'd like to know if he could get his yet or not. So let's have to, I'll have to check with him again and see. Yeah, half of our children have had the virus. Yes, either they've had the virus or and immune that way for I think what is it two three months or so. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure how long. It kind of gives you an immunity, um, but also a lot of them have uh, gotten their shots now. So that's uh, it's it's a good feeling. Yeah, it's amazing how uh, when you get that second shot, uh, you know you still want to be careful. And we still wear our mask and everything. And I don't mind wearing a mask at all. But it just kind of takes a little 
you know, like you and I have actually discussed about going to the grocery store in person uh, later this evening. And, uh, you know, that's that's a big event in our lives in the past year. Yeah, we haven't ventured out, and I certainly am not going to do any traveling until uh, CDC opens it up and says that it's safe to travel. Because even though we've had the uh, Pfizer shot, both of them, and have gone the 14 or so days that it takes to incubate, um, I still know that uh, there is 5% chance that we can get it, and uh, I don't want any part of that. And speaking of Katie Kerr's yeah. pregnancy, uh, did you have something else on that topic? Uh, yes, you said we we weren't going to be traveling. We are going to be traveling, but we are picking uh, our choice of how we travel, which is, I think, uh, probably the safest way that anyone right now can travel, and that's when you are you know, going in your recreational vehicle because I meant um, you take your own germs with you in your camper. No one else is where you sleep or providing your food for you or, you know, you can go to a campground and sit outside your camper and not be involved in anyone or be involved with people around you. Uh, So I think possibly you probably meant airlines and stuff like that. It still would creep me out if I had to go today I mean, if I had an emergency and had to get home or had to go someplace for some unforeseen reason, I could do it, but I I would just still be uncomfortable about, you know, sitting that close to someone in an airplane. I mean, you're, you know, you're rubbing shoulders with people, and that that would freak me out. I was talking about traveling, and you're talking about two months away. A lot can happen in two months about uh, being safer to travel, um, right? Yeah, look, it's you... not. It's not two months. It seems like it was two months ago here the other day, and now it is. I meant two months. It, well, I thought I had March and April, and I meant this is the middle of March. And we leave the middle of April. No, we may. Well, we go over to San Diego in the middle of April. Yeah. That's going to be our traveling thing there. Uh, I'm just saying that what happened to the first two weeks of March? Mm -hmm. I thought I had everything all planned out and had all this time. But as usual, I am a procrastinator, so... <clears throat> in my old age and during the pandemic. So uh, it's not all time's fault. Mm. It's mostly my fault. But, I mean, I'm just saying it's going to be here before we know it. Speaking of pregnancies... Um, no, I'm not pregnant. You and I, <laughs> yeah, but you and I are expecting at the end of the month. What are we expecting at the end of the month? A little girl. A little girl? Yeah. Okay, I'm. I must not be paying attention. I'm. Uh, who's little girl? <laughs> Who are we expecting the end of this month? Oh, the end of this month. Oh, you mean? Well, she's not a little girl. <laughs> she's a grown woman. <laughs> uh, she's a little chatterbox. 
<laughs> She's uh, coming back to uh, house sit for us and, uh, you know, visit, live with us for a while. Doesn't that sound kind of flutesy where we have house sitters? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think it, uh, yeah. I think it sounds really nice. I've never had, you know, someone come in and house sit. Speaking of programming notes, um, you know, our podcast now is picked up and listened to in 15 countries around the world. But uh, we keep track of the numbers of people who listened and where they listened from. Uh, Anchor provides that for us, the uh, outlet that we use. And the ironic thing is, of all the podcasts we've had, the one we did on Megan and Harry had three times the listeners as the best other podcast we have. People cannot get enough of Harry and Megan. I know. I know. I don't know. I just keep thinking of what Jonathan said. Who gives a rip? (laughs) It's like, you know, has nothing to do with me, thank goodness. And, uh, you know, if you don't like your job, you quit your job and you go and get another job, you know. Uh, And if you're smart, you don't... um, bemean the last job you had because it could be somebody in that area that gives you your next job. So, you know, and it's family. Families don't get along. Families that work together, they always tell you that's a no-no. If you want to get family trouble, hire a family member to work in your business. And I meant the business is doomed and the family is doomed. So, you know, Go, you got a job, you got a million dollars. I mean, why are we going, oh, poor people, poor people. They haven't changed one iota of how they live. I mean, mama left them a whole bunch of money so they could just go right on with a, what? I don't know how many million dollar home, right? They're expecting another baby. They're making millions of dollars. They can do what they want to, when they want to. They have to worry about zilch. Wah, wah, wah. I meant, give it a rest. I think Megan is a genius. I think she is a public relations genius. I think she uh, looked at the situation they were in uh, with the family. Uh, He was sixth in line, wasn't he? Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, there had to be a world war and a flood and a famine and a rabid dog loose in, in uh, yeah. England before uh, he even got a sniff of any kind of uh, authority. So she took a number six commodity, moved it over to the United States and made it number one. I mean, just like our podcast shows, people cannot eat up enough of the information about Megan. And it's about Megan, not about Harry, because, you know, Harry is sitting there beside her picking his nose 
uh, <laughs> well, you know, wondering, <laughs> you know, wondering, nice, wondering uh, what kind of perfume Oprah uses and what kind of uh, floor covering she has in her home. And and uh, Megan, you could tell by her presentation, she was well spoken. She didn't. Uh, uh, nothing was wasted in her presentation. Everything had substance. And she had a purpose, and she accomplished that purpose. And she right now has taken a sixth-place boy and made him a number one commodity in the United States, and there's no, no telling, huh? No. no, I don't buy that at all. She's ruined his reputation. Everybody in the whole wide world loved little red-headed Harry, the, the, the mean boy. But what did that get him? What did it hurt him? People loved him. People love an ornery little kid. But, but people love their little dog, too, who runs around the house with no purpose or no meaning or no future. He had no future over there. Oh, my gosh, Joseph. <laughs> he is born into this family. He doesn't have to worry about anything. And everyone loved him, loved how he cared about his um, mother who had passed, loved how he cared about all the charity that he worked in, loved how every once in a while he got in trouble, you know. And everyone loved him. Now he's a middle-aged guy who's doing nothing but whining and crying. We thought of him, I thought of him as this, you know, just super little brat. I mean, he was a brat, but you loved him. Now, you, I don't think people love him so much. One, because we think he's a wuss now. <laughs> because we think he's controlled by Megan. We don't think this is all, you know, a joint thing and... Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to convince there, me. Is there a problem being controlled by a, a, a woman? Pray, I wouldn't know. Pray tell me. Pray I, tell me. I wouldn't Pray know. tell me if I've got a problem. I need, I, to, I, yeah. need to, I need to sit closer. Can I sit on your lap while you rock? Uh -huh, uh -huh. But I think, uh, I think he is going to be, uh, uh, I think he's going to enter into politics in the United States. Um, he cannot be president because he... But Joe. he, but he no, can no, no, no. run because I think whenever he married her, didn't he become dual citizens uh, of the United States? Isn't that the way that works? I don't know. I don't know how it works. But neither one of them are going to be president or Mrs. President of America. No, no. I meant now. Who is it? Um, McConaughey. Is that what you? How you pronounce his name? What's his first name? I forgot. Matthew, who is, oh, a famous, well-loved movie star, is now going to run for the governor of Texas. Well, anything would beat the Texas governor right now, as far as I'm concerned. <coughs> uh, now, he would be someone that's going to do something. It's not, no, no, no. You know what McConaughey's problem is? No, what? He's a Trumpite. 
Well, the Trumpites have a lot of followers, Joe. Mm-hmm. I hate Especially to tell you. Especially in Texas. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So uh, now that I've got your uh, blood pressure up, uh, what are you uh, going to do today? Well, I'm going to get uh, a room ready for uh, uh, Missy Kimmy. For for a newborn? <laughs> yeah, for a newborn baby. And... Um, going to do that and just a bunch of physical stuff today. I don't feel like doing anything mentally. <laughs> my mind has left me the last couple of days. So I'm, I'm going to do, as my mother would say, uh, when you've got a problem or you're not feeling well, get out the pledge and the dust mop and get busy. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to work on the uh, Wounded Marine Golf Tournament. This is our 15th annual and uh, we have 144 slots to fill, golfers. That's the maximum that we can fill. And we have names in those slots now. We have, uh, if everything, if everyone holds where they are, then we've got the uh, golf tournament, the golfing part of it, full. Decisions have to be made about uh, the award ceremony and the events afterwards because of the virus and because of uh, California state regulations and also the regulations of Saquon Singing Hills and what they ask us to do. But it looks like a successful event and uh, we're looking forward to it. You've been to it every year. Every year, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe this was the last one, but I understand Sam's trying to talk you into doing another one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, yeah. Well, who has the most uh, influence on me? Sam. <laughs> Sam, in that regard. Yeah, Sam. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, love you, honey, and uh, glad that I got you stirred up this morning <laughs> on Megan, you know. Well, maybe maybe our uh, podcast will increase some more than three times this time since we talked about Megan, but... You know, I'm I'm definitely on Megan's side. You're definitely oh. against her. I'm not against her. I'm just saying, who is she? I mean, so what? <laughs> I mean, and I don't think I've ever really voiced anything about anybody like that before. But I think uh, the pandemic has made me feel, I think, that there's a lot of things that are so much more important than these two little wild babies. I meant, you know, people have got problems in the world. They've lost loved ones. They've lost homes. They've lost, you know, uh, years really of education. It's like the kids have just gone through these horrible motions of learning. And, um, you know, people like Augie has gone without his uh, therapy sessions. You know, and how, we don't know how much a loss that is to him. You know, it's a year wasted of help for him. And um, just uh, for the minds of the kids, that the things they learn just going to school and coping with school and with people and everything. And we're upset about these people. You know, I just, I just think it's kind of a warped thing that we have, you know, I think it's fun to talk about them, and it's a thing to talk about the movie stars, and it's made to talk about the wealthy people, and 
all of that. But when something happens about a pandemic, um, the average person to me is a lot more important than these people are. With all that doom and gloom, maybe America was ready for a diversion, something on the side that really did not affect them, but interested them. And what a coup she manipulated with the Oprah interview, watched by more people than any interview maybe in the history of television. And I didn't I hear this morning they're going to have a follow-up, a secondary, wasn't there something to that this morning? So the, the, the touch of Megan never ends. Yeah, and it's, uh, excuse me for how this sounds, but it's people like you who's going to keep it alive. I mean, <laughs> feeding it every day, and yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I have other things on my mind. So this is Joe B. signing <laughs> off for the British Broadcasting Company, yeah. saying, uh, hey, Evelyn, have a great Friday. I love you, darling. The Megan Fan Club president to be. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, the hate Megan uh, oh. contingent. Uh, I don't hate her, and I don't hate Harry. I think Harry's adorable. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't, you know, when something happens that they are really... Uh, put upon by something drastic that's happened to them, you know, they're fine. They're fine. There's a lot of people that needs more attention. That's all I'm going to say. You know, the one thing that I was taken back on of the whole situation, you know, I had two brothers who served in the military in Europe. And in conversation with them and also in reading and also uh, being exposed to European ways, there seemed to be a lot less concern about interracial marriages in Europe. It just seemed like it was commonplace, accepted, and no big deal. So the racial part of it that came to, to the front uh, kind of surprised me because I thought very definitely England was so far advanced from the United States as far as racial equality. Yeah, and I just have a thought, and I'm not sure I should voice this, but when <laughs> they say that's when you get Don't. in trouble. <laughs> that's when you get in trouble. But it just dawned on me then when I said that, that it seems like racial, racial, can't even say it, racial marriages and things like that seem to be accepted more in the wealthy community than they are in the poor community. I mean, or not the poor community, but just your average couple uh, of mixed races that want to get married, I think have a tougher time of it when they're just ordinary people. It seems like if they're rich people, that being rich kind of buys them a pass. You know, it it's a, you know, like a, a celebrity thing. It's a big deal. Uh, and when it's on a, a level like that we're on, 
I think they have more problems, more bias toward them, more hard times. I'm is, do you think that, or am I just? No, I think I think very definitely America has systematic and racial prejudice. I mean, they're just if anyone says that America is not prejudiced, uh, not only racial but uh, economically. There's a tremendous uh, chasm between the rich and the poor. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a look at the Asians now fighting for equality and the uh, injustice that is being uh, cast upon Asians just because they're Asians. Uh, human mankind, we're flawed, and we're flawed. Uh, we're taught, you know, we did, we're not born that way. We're taught through our environment and through our uh, families and through our experiences to be what we are. And whenever we take a microscope and really look at us, we're not too pretty. No, I think uh, I think it's either more so now or just just my feeling now that you know wealth buys you a pass. In almost any problem that you could have, mm-hmm. it just it's it's like a pass card that if you're wealthy, it's okay. You know, I'm saying a lot of people. I mean, think of the gay people that have such uh, ridicule and you know harm to them, and you know just everyday bad news were. I think the people who have money, uh, they're sort of looked upon as, you know, I don't know, heroes of some kind or something. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But it just seems like uh, we're certainly not everyone on an even playing field. You know, when you when you talk about that, my mind goes back to here I go again. Back to when I was an orderly at Doctor's Hospital, uh, I worked my shift three to eleven and uh, made seventy-five cents an hour. But I also specialed with dying rich men uh, from eleven to seven, eleven at night till seven in the morning, because they had no family and they had no church that people would come in and sit with them. So they needed someone to manipulate the oxygen and to just sit with them, and they were all dying, they were all terminal. And in the years that I did that, I never found one of them to ever cry over a lost business deal or cry over a missed opportunity to buy a used Cadillac or to buy some property whenever it was cheap. Every one of them, and almost all of them uh, categorically, would lay and cry about lost time with their family and things that they had done that hurt their relationship with their family and uh, and their God. They were all seeking and wondering and fearing. There's a lot of fear of what was going to happen whenever they died. And what you were describing a while ago is, you know, there is that segment of our population that seems immune to the 
condemnation that uh, the lesser and the weaker uh, uh, have to participate in. And, uh, but in the end, you know, it all comes down to God and your relationship with God and more importantly, his relationship with you. And uh, I'm reminded, and I, I don't, I fear, should I, should I quote the uh, great quote from uh, Pulp Fiction? You know, oh. the path of the righteous man oh. is beset on all sides by the inequity of the selfish and the tyranny of rich men. And uh, that's, the <laughs> it only took me six months to learn that part of it. But, uh, and the other part is really good too, but I'll save that for a future broadcast. Okay. My quote for you <laughs> about this whole podcast is, Jesus whip. <laughs> Period. <laughs> I'm out of here, Joe B. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Love you, darling. Love you, hon. Have a good Friday. My favorite day of the week. <laughs>